Good morning, everybody, and welcome into the latest episode of Quick Hits. My name is Blake Pace. It is Wednesday, September 23rd. This is our midweek episode. Monday, we released all of our uh, game-by-game analysis, I guess, from around the league in week two of the NFL season. A little bit of a shocker there on Monday Night Football. Raiders just kept taking it to the Saints. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about Monday Night Football, talk about that game, takeaways from that game. But uh, most of this episode we're going to transition to after that is going to be talking about uh, who just might be the next great quarterback in the history of of the NFL, and that's Trevor Lawrence. Um, I think what I've decided with these Wednesday episodes is I want to take, you know, top draft prospects for the upcoming year. And, um, and just kind of dissect everything that's going on around them. I want to talk about what I love about their play, what I don't love about their play. I want to talk about what they've been able to accomplish in college. You know, if there's any misconceptions about that individual. And then I want to take a look. I want to say, hey, look, NFL draft is, is so far away. You know, the, the least of our worries right now. We want to make it through a football season. We, we want to make it through a college football season. We want there to be a combine. We want... You know the top players to be able to showcase their talents. Um, we want to make sure that uh, you know we get through all this. But the draft is one of my favorite things to cover around the NFL. So I want to spend some time looking at what are going to be you know best possible fits for some of these prospects. Um, I know last year when I would do college football segments, it would just be an updated on my top ten you know picks, I guess, or my top ten players in the draft class. Um, I think. Our Wednesday episodes are going to be a little bit shorter, uh, more closer to the quick hits type of, uh, of timeline I like to follow, where Monday and Fridays will be a little bit longer just because there's so much more to talk about. You know, Monday we'll go through each game from the Sunday slate. Friday, um, you know, we'll have, we'll have Teddy on doing picks against the spread for the upcoming uh, slate of games. Um, and then Wednesday, yeah, we're just we're going to keep it closer to that 30-minute time frame. Um, and, and it's mostly going to be focused talking about, you know, a, a, a top you know, prospect, or if there's any crazy news that happens in the middle of the week. Um, and then, and then we'll kind of go through that. We're going to start with, with the, with the number one guy, um, you know, what should be in my eyes, the consensus number one guy in Trevor Lawrence quarterback out of Clemson. Um, so we're going to, we're going to dive into that. But first, like I mentioned, let's talk about Monday night football, uh, opening the, uh, the newest city in the NFL, Las Vegas, the Raiders, like I said, just kept taking it to the Saints. Ended up pulling out of that one. Um, you know, they got down in a pretty early deficit. I think it was, what, 17 nothing. All of a sudden, it was 24-17. Raiders just kept pushing and pushing on offense. The Saints um, weren't able to get things going. And um, in the second half especially, especially when they were coming from behind. And when I take a look at these two teams, one, let's let's get with the Raiders first because I think there's there's a little bit less to talk about with the Raiders. Yes, uh, they are 2-0. They, they, they've been putting up an, a, an absurd amount of points uh, on offense um, in week one, you know, 34 points against the Carolina Panthers. Not that talented of a defense, good players, but it's pretty empty. So I wasn't like too overly impressed by that. Um, but then, look, they, they, they went pretty hard against a good Saints defense, uh, really exposed some key players on that defense that maybe look like, you know, they're past their prime a little bit. Um, a guy like Malcolm Jenkins, man. Whew, bad, bad game for him. He was just dominated. They, they, they kind of just were targeting him. Derek Carr was just going after him almost every single drive, uh, and it worked. Um, 
So for the Raiders, you know, two and zero. What do I expect out of them? I think if you look across the division that they're in, you know, the AFC West, a lot of talented teams in there. Um, but some unfortunate starts to the season, you know, especially a team like the Denver Broncos, who I expected to, you know, be that number two team in the AFC West. They've gone through a lot of injuries. Uh, you know, they're they're too far, you know, beyond fixing that this year. I believe. You know, I think at best they could have been a nine and seven team. Realistically, I'll put them down closer to a five and eleven, six and ten type season. Um, really, also depends how long Drew Locke is sidelined. He's a he's a big part of that offense. Um, I have a lot of uh, admiration for him. Um, so, you know, the Broncos, I expected to be that number two team. They probably take a little step back. Chargers, no idea really what they've got going on there. Um, and if you if you follow me on Twitter, you saw how pissed I was Monday when you know we saw Anthony Lynn making those comments about Justin Herbert, um, and, and how you know I, I guess he believes that if Tyrod was in that game, they would have beaten the Chiefs. Um, as a guy watching the game, I think the reason the game was so close is because Tyrod Taylor wasn't the quarterback. You had a guy that was actually you know um, taking chances, moving the ball down the field. Herbert looked great. Um, hopefully we get to see him this week again and hopefully impresses to the point where he can get that starting job. I don't I don't see the point on um, on starting Tyrod when you spent, you know, the sixth overall pick on a quarterback and he looked pretty good on a two minute notice. Um, so kind of just my thoughts on that. So the Raiders were, you know, I'm, I'm trying to circle this back to is I believe that sure they could be around that Eight and eight, seven and nine team. I think it slows down a little bit. The schedule doesn't get any easier. They travel uh, to take, face their toughest defense all season um, so far in the New England Patriots. Um, of course, you have to play, um, you know, defensive lines like the Chargers twice a year. You got to play the Chiefs twice a year. You've got to play. Um, yeah, it's a it's a tough division. So, I, do I think that they're a, a legit two and zero? And I'm I'm worried. I'd be worried if I was an AFC team about them. No, not really. The defense is still very empty. Uh, Jonathan Abram in the back end at safety definitely just brings a more physical look to that defense. He's a very talented player, but I think in the front seven you still got a lot of just um, a lot of just names that you're throwing in there to try and help create pressure. It's not that great. Um, so. Realistically, I expect this to be a really fun team on offense, uh, not not talented on defense, and teams that can put up points uh, consistently should should have their way going back and forth with uh, the with the Raiders. Where I really wanted to talk more about the Saints is, is I mean, you know, we have to admit that Drew Brees doesn't have it anymore, and this has been a, a, a thing that I a point that I have been trying to make for I guess. You know, if we want to go all of last season, and then I'd say the second half of the season before that, there is a significant notice. Uh, you, you can notice the difference in Drew Brees' arm ability. It's flat. Right now, he is a he is a old quarterback who, you know, we take a look around the league, a guy like Tom Brady really does take care of his body well, and I'm not saying Drew doesn't, but you can tell Drew's arm is tired. <laughs> it is. He can't push the ball down the field. The deep accuracy is off. And I, and I say this every time when people argue with me about Drew Brees still being good. Like, yes, his numbers still will look good at the end of this year. His numbers look good last year. The completion percentage is great. But when I tell you that no other offense provides more open receivers than the New Orleans Saints, I mean that full-heartedly. The way that Sean Payton draws up that offense, 
It is easy pass after easy pass. Now, he does have to make those completions. He does have to improvise sometimes. And, and sometimes he does complete those passes where it's like, man, I don't get how he made that happen. You know, it was a tightly covered receiver or the play had broken down. He had to scramble around. He still can make those plays. But we got to pump the brakes on Drew Brees and say that, you know, I, I had people arguing me, people saying that, um, you know, a guy like Dak Prescott isn't better than Drew Brees, or even a guy like Matt Ryan isn't better than Drew Brees. I don't know how you can watch both of those quarterbacks play and, and come away thinking that Drew Brees has more talent right now in his current body than Matt Ryan does. It, it's absurd. And the argument comes down to someone told me that I was discrediting his, his legacy, that I'm poo-pooing on on what he's accomplished. No, I'm just acknowledging that, hey, when you get this old as a quarterback, your arm is going to slowly decline. It happens with everybody throughout history. Even Brett Favre, who had one of the most unbelievable arms of all time, it fell apart at the end of his career. So I'm not, I'm not shitting on Drew Brees' career. I'm just acknowledging, hey, this man is at the end of his career, and we can tell because his arm is flat. And then you throw into the mix that you don't have Michael Thomas in there, and the offense just doesn't have that as many easy throws. Um, you know, you, you can rely on Michael Thomas to get you eight easy catches a game, um, and, and that raises up Drew Brees' completion percentage. It just makes the offense have a little bit more flow. You're not relying on Alvin Kamara as much. So, look, you know, I, I probably should have seen that outcome coming as soon as Michael Thomas was out. I probably could have predicted that one, that it would be a closer game um, and that the Saints wouldn't just, you know, wallop them. But um, my main takeaway is, like, we got to just acknowledge that it's it's fine to criticize quarterbacks at the end of their careers for their arms falling apart while still recognizing that they've had great careers. We just have to live in the now. We can say Drew Brees has had one of the more decorated careers of a professional quarterback in all history. Have I always been on him as one of the top talents to play the game? No. I, I consistently say that he has one of the easiest jobs in the entire NFL. Just as, as Brady did in New England with Josh McDaniels, just as a lot of these guys, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo has it very easy in San Francisco with Kyle Shanahan. Sean Payton has had that for just about his entire career where it's really easy on offense. And, and the last thing I'll say is that I still think that the Saints can be a very good team this year. I just believe that they're more in the mold of what the Denver Broncos were um, in Peyton Manning's last few seasons, where it's the defense has to win you games. You're going to have to win on that defense. Fortunately, it's a very talented defense on all three levels. The offensive line is good. They've got amazing playmakers. Um, but, you know, to think that if, if the Saints make it far this year, it's because of Drew Brees, it's not. Drew Brees, to me, in a way, and, and, and before, you know, overreacting, he does hold back the offense. There are limitations to having Drew Brees as your quarterback. I hate to say it, you put Jameis Winston out there, I know he's going to turn the ball over more than Breeze does, and he'll make boneheaded mistakes. That offense is, is more dangerous. It's way more dangerous when you have a guy like Jameis Winston who's going to consistently throw the ball down the field. You can open things up way more for a guy like Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, Michael Thomas can do more. Uh, you can work more with Jared Cook. I, I, it almost feels like I'm a, I am sound like a Drew Brees hater, and I'm trying not to be. I'm just trying to recognize that 
he, he does hold back this offense. And I believe as long as everything stays, you know, if the roster stays constructed past this year and you've still got a great defense, the offensive line is the same, you've still got Kamara and Michael Thomas and Sean Payton as the head coach and play caller, I think whatever quarterback steps into New Orleans is going to do just fine. Um, I really don't want to spend any more time on this game because I want to move to the rest of the stuff. Um, you know, maybe we can talk about the Saints with Teddy this Friday a little bit. I'll ask him his thoughts on that as we kind of try and predict um, their upcoming schedule. Um, but I don't, I don't want to spend too much more time on this. I really do want to transition over to talking about Trevor Lawrence. Um, so let's let's go ahead and do that. First installment of a, of a prospect breakdown. Maybe I'll come up with a fun name for this. Um, you know, over over between now and the next time we you know talk about these college prospects and, and their NFL aspirations. But we're going to start with, to me, who should be the consensus number one pick in this draft? Um, Trevor Lawrence, quarterback out of Clemson. Let's just read through some stuff right now. Six foot six, two hundred and twenty pounds. Um, I think when you he really is a, a just a, a terrific blend of size, athleticism, and arm talent. He, he's extremely physically gifted. Um, he reads coverages well at the line of scrimmage. He will make tight window throws. Um, always is keeping his eyes down the field. He has great pocket awareness. You see him you know, keeping his head down the field while still being able to shuffle around in and outside of the pocket. Um, you never see him rush throws you know he seems like he's always got this calm presence to him even when a pocket may be collapsing you know when you're facing defensive lines like Alabama and Ohio State those things are going to happen pockets are going to break down he seems comfortable you know and and the size thing you know look it's it's going to be my thing for as long as I do this sure I I love Kyler Murray just as anybody else I love Lamar Jackson you know Kyler was my number one quarterback in that draft class um you know, Lamar, I think, was number three to me. Um, you know, we'll, you know, I'll always have to live with the idea of having Josh Rosen as my number two quarterback in that draft class. Um, you know, that's that'll probably that's probably one of my biggest whiffs. Um, but I had Josh Allen as as the number one quarterback in that draft class, um, and, and I just personally. I have a preference. It's not necessary to be a good quarterback in this league. I still prefer my quarterbacks to be massive human beings. I just think throughout the course of time, they hold up better. And I am not saying that I think that Kyler or Lamar, their careers are in danger because of their side. I just, I think it's just a much safer feel to know that, okay, my quarterback is six foot six, he's 220 pounds. He can take hits, uh, you know, he can get sacked and get back up pretty well. Um, especially if you're, you know, if you're drafting at the top of this this draft, you probably don't have a great offensive line too. So you're gonna need to to make sure your quarterback can take hits. I prefer quarterbacks that have big size. That doesn't mean I can't recognize the greatness of a Russell Wilson, a Lamar Jackson, a Kyler Murray. Those are three of my favorite quarterbacks in the league right now. I just prefer the bigger-bodied quarterbacks. Why I was big on. Uh, Justin Herbert over Tua Tagovailoa last year. That was the, the my biggest argument between those two. Um, is I just I, I'm more comfortable with a guy that has Justin Herbert's frame. Um, why I love Josh Allen so much. Um, I'm trying to think of other quarterbacks I've given a lot of praise because of, of specifically because of their size. Carson Wentz. I, I was always a Carson Wentz over Jared Goff guy, and 
that's a weird conversation now that their careers are going on such a weird trajectory. But anyways, really love Trevor Lawrence's size. And, and we got to acknowledge, he's also a fast quarterback. I mean, we saw him outrun the Ohio State secondary last year on a, on a great, I think it was maybe a 55-yard touchdown run. The dude has wheels. Ohio State is not, is not you know, some scrub. Def- they, they call themselves DBU. They are defensive back university. They have great guys in that secondary. Um, and, we, and we saw a guy like Trevor Lawrence be able to torch past him for a long score. This guy got, has all the tools. And then you got to talk about the character. You know, there's been not one bad thing ever said about him. I haven't heard anything negative about Trevor Lawrence. He seems to be a very faithful person. Um, he has a great... Um, presence to him. He is very uh, socially woke. He's a guy that you draft and you know, okay, not only are we going to get a great talent on the field, but he is going to be the face of our franchise and represent this organization better than most people could. Um, If I want to talk about cons when it comes to Trevor Lawrence, um, you know, you, you you have to be real nitpicky with Trevor. You know, sometimes, sometimes, he does latch on to his first receiving option a little bit too long, which makes it easier for those defenses to read. Um, it makes it easier for those defenses to read and, and, and you know, jump on those, those first pressures if he's just staring down a receiver. So, you know, sometimes he does latch on to a receiver for a little bit too long, and it's easier for, you know, defenses to get a read on where he's trying to throw the ball. I also say in the college game, you're going to find that a lot more often now because some of these, these plays are so scripted for these easy, quick throws. It just happens. Um, but, you know, if, I, if I'm being nitpicky with Trevor, that's where I go. Um, you know, and, and it's, it's things that you're just going to get better at throughout your... There's nothing with his body of work in college where I go, this can't be fixed. So, you know, deep passes. Not every deep pass is going to be accurate. You're going to overthrow. You're going to underthrow. Trevor is more on the underthrow side of things. And I don't think that that's he can't throw the ball deeper. I just think that that's a timing thing that he still has to figure out a, a, a launch angle that needs to be you know considered differently. Really, uh, you you have to be extremely nitpicky. Nothing that I have against Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback, is stuff that I don't think can be fixed at the next level. So, I love this guy. To me, he's the consensus number one guy. The fun things that I want to talk about now are. Okay, we get through this season, we get through the combine. Trevor Lawrence is still the unprecedented, you know, top consensus pick. What teams are the best fits for him? And how many teams in the NFL would actually take him if they had the number one overall pick? That's the really fun one to talk about because you take a look at the list of the NFL teams and and some of them you're like, man, if if they ended up with the top pick, you know, and given their quarterback situation, quarterback age, you know, when's a quarterback up for free agency, would they would they take Trevor Lawrence and maybe try and trade their starting quarterback? Uh, so I want to go through, we're going to go through the list of teams and then I'm going to give you some of my best fits. When I talk about best fits, I'm saying teams that could realistically have a chance at getting the number one pick. Um, and how are they, you know, how do they stack up as best fits? So obviously... You know, Kansas City Chiefs would be a great fit. They're not going to have the number one pick. And they also have Patrick Mahomes, so they're one of the teams that wouldn't. You know, spoiler alert, the Chiefs 
wouldn't draft Trevor Lawrence if they had the number one pick. Um, you know, the Patriots are another one. You know, the Cam, you know, is a free agent after the year. They would be a perfect fit for Trevor Lawrence, but, you know, after their, you know, one and one start, they looked really good. They're not going to be in that window for the number one pick. So, kind of go through. Um, let me give you some of the teams that wouldn't draft Trevor Lawrence. I think that's the, that's the easier way to do it is the teams that wouldn't draft him. Um, first being the Arizona Cardinals. They've got things figured out with, with Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury. That offense is ticking. He seems like he could be uh, the next big thing. They wouldn't do it. The Baltimore Ravens wouldn't do it. Lamar Jackson, say less. Um, to me, the Cincinnati Bengals wouldn't, you know, the only, I think even two weeks in, we see that Joe Burrow's got talent and he's going to stick around. It would have to be Josh Rosen level bad for them to move on from him to take Trevor Lawrence. Um, and we're not going to get that out of him. You know, we don't see that too often. The last time we saw it was when the Cardinals replaced Rosen for Kyler Murray, um, which obviously is the right decision. Looking back on it now, I never thought that it wasn't, but, um, you know, the Bengals could be in that situation where they have the top pick, but I don't think that they could move on from Burrow. Um, he's the hometown kid. He has looked very good in his first two weeks. I just don't think that that's possible. Um, Houston Texans, another team. If they had the top pick, you have Deshaun Watson. I'm sorry. Get him protection. Get him a stud on defense. Get him a receiver. You're not, you're not replacing Deshaun Watson. You just extended, obviously, uh, for Trevor Lawrence. Packers are an interesting one. Packers are a really interesting one. Um, you know, I it, it seems now that them drafting Jordan Love was just a tactic to piss off Aaron Rodgers, but why not just get him a really good receiver and, and try and win games? It seems it's it's confusing. If the Packers had the number one pick, you know, Aaron Rodgers has a couple years left. Jordan Love is a project. While I do think he can be good, and I and I really did, you know, like the idea of him being a Colt. If we could get him in the second round, then sure. But um, I'm kind of just, you know, it, it's a project. If the Packers had the number one pick, would they? I wouldn't put it past them. Um, let's see. Other teams, they had the first overall pick. Kansas City Chiefs right there. That's an easy one. Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Seattle Seahawks, Russell Wilson. Those are really the only teams, the teams that have the top quarterbacks in football. So it's, you know, if you have Russell Wilson, if you have Pat Mahomes, if you have Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray, and I'll also throw in, um, also throw in Aaron Rodgers there just because that one's a little iffy. How long is he going to be playing? How much potential does, does Jordan Love actually have there? Those are the teams that I say would not take Trevor Lawrence if they had the first overall pick. Other one to... To kind of consider, it, it's it's tough. So there's two other teams that you got to talk about in this mix as well, too. And it's the two franchises that are trying to sit their rookie quarterbacks. And that's the Miami Dolphins and the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, Miami, it's tough. You know, to me, I, I just, I'm really not a Tua guy. The Dolphins proved that they were by choosing him over Justin Herbert. Um, I... I think he can be good. I just don't think he can be great. If I was the Dolphins, I would do it. You know, I, I would. Um, but obviously, if you if you sit two of the entire season, you can't realistically say like, oh, we're going to give up on him after not seeing him play a single live snap of, of action. And Chargers, I kind of feel the same way. Are you really going to 
spend a top cent, top six pick two years in a row on a guy at the same position, um, unless there's some you know massive desire for Justin Herbert to play for another team, um, and you could get a good return for him, um, good value back, then sure maybe, but I don't think so. So those two teams are I'm a little iffy on. Um, I, I get the arguments for and against doing so. Now I want to talk about every other team would. So let's. I just want to run through some teams that I think you know are in comparison in kind of similar stages right now. Um, let's let's tie together these two teams: the Atlanta Falcons and the Detroit Lions. Now, what do they have? They have bad teams, teams that are probably going to to start over with new coaches after this season. And Matt Patricia and Dan Quinn, if things don't go well, if they can't resurrect, you know, their zero and two starts, if they just keep falling apart. New regime, new era in Atlanta and Detroit. You also have quarterbacks, mid to late 30s. Good quarterbacks, very talented quarterbacks. But, you know, it's it's like, okay, we can't really pass up on Trevor Lawrence, right? This is, you know, you, you might you might have four really great years left with, with Matt Ryan. You might have three or four really great years left with Matthew Stafford. But are you really going to sacrifice the next 15 years of potentially having, you know, what could be a top three quarterback in the NFL? I don't think you can. So if I was a team that was the Falcons or the, um, if I was a team that was the Falcons or the Lions, I would certainly, you know, pull the plug on doing that. I would make the move. Um, You know, other quarterbacks around the league that realistically um, would replace their young quarterbacks. I think that's another thing you got to talk about too. We have to consider this is only considering if that team has the first overall pick, what would they do? So a team like the Buffalo Bills, if they had the number one overall pick with their roster, they have that number one pick because Josh Allen probably just had a very, very miserable season where it was detrimental to the team's success. They have a great defense, great playmakers, good offensive line, good running back duo. If they somehow had the first pick in this draft, it is solely because Josh Allen is not the answer. And so if I was the Bills, yeah, I would move on from Josh Allen. I would draft Trevor Lawrence. Cleveland Browns, another team that you have to consider. Man, if, if, they, if they have the number one overall pick, that's another sign that Baker Mayfield isn't the guy in Cleveland. I think that's an even easier decision than in Buffalo because at least Buffalo has been winning games with Josh Allen. Baker has looked all right at times, but with the weapons he has, uh, with the running backs that he has, um, and now if he's been through you know three or four head coaches, Baker's, Baker's the problem if, if the Browns have the number one overall pick is what I'm saying, kind of just like the Bills. Um, so they're a team that you have to consider in there too. Um, another team that I think we can cross off and say that wouldn't, oh man, actually, that's a tough one. You got you to gotta think about the Denver Broncos here for a second because um, you know the way that their season has fallen out, I, there's so much promise in Drew Locke and, and I love him. But, like, would John Elway really pass up on Trevor Lawrence with the first overall pick? You would have to trade, in these situations, you'd have to trade the quarterback before you make the selection. Because as soon as you make the pick, that value goes all the way down for that quarterback. It's why Josh Rosen only went for, you know, a late second or early third round pick when he was traded to Miami. So you'd have to move Drew Locke sooner and then be like, all right, we're going to take Trevor Lawrence. The Broncos, I'm going to throw in there as a team that, like, it's, it's iffy. It's kind of, to me, like the Chargers 
and the Dolphins where it's like, are they going to give up? You know, their quarterback has looked good. You could invest that pick into the offensive line or to the defense. You could even trade it because there's going to be a massive ransom for teams that want Trevor Lawrence. Um, so a team like that, you know, is I'm, I'm a little iffy about. Um, man, I, I'm, I'm kind of all over the place with this. I'm kind of what I'm doing right now is I'm just running through a list of teams. I'm saving my best fits for the end. Um, and I'm just running through some teams that I want to talk about. Like if you're the Dallas Cowboys and you had the first overall pick, why, why wouldn't you take Trevor Lawrence and just move on from Dak? Trevor has the higher ceiling. At a fraction of the cost, you know, Dak is going to be one of the top-paid quarterbacks. Um, you know, he's, he's already got the, the franchise tag. If they do that again, the tag goes up even more. And then, you, you know, you have to extend him at some point or you're just going to lose him for nothing. And then you don't have a quarterback to replace him with. So if Dallas had the first overall pick, I think that one's a pretty easy decision to make. You draft Trevor Lawrence and you move on from Dak Prescott. Um, God... <laughs> Here's one thing I'll say about the Indianapolis Colts when it comes to, to Trevor Lawrence. If the Colts somehow lose to the Jets this year, um, this upcoming week, if, if the Colts lose to the Jets, they go one and two. If I'm Chris Ballard, if I'm Frank Reich, I'm saying, all right, dude, let's ship it in this season. Let's get the number one overall pick. We're going to go full on tank, uh, just as kind of they did when it was time to move on from, from Peyton Manning to go to Andrew Luck. Let's go get Trevor Lawrence. If they lose to the Jets, if they're one and two, I say... Send in the season, call it quits, get the first overall pick. Um, two teams that are really interesting. You know, the the actually, I'll, I'll give you three teams: the Los Angeles Rams, the San Francisco 49ers, and the Philadelphia Eagles. What do those three teams do? Um, I almost want to say I'm at the point where I'd say all three teams would take Trevor Lawrence over their current quarterback. You know, Carson. Carson, to me, I mean, is still, you know, the most talented of the three in just terms of pure football quarterback talent. Um, but this year has looked a little shaky to start off. Um, and, uh, you know, the turnovers are up already. I think he's got four picks. And, and usually he averages about seven interceptions a season. So he's already at four. Um, the offensive line is still, you know, it's banged up. Playmakers aren't there. The defense, you know, you fixed the secondary problem. Now you got problems in the front seven. So to me, you know, the Eagles, the Rams, if the Rams have the number one overall pick with their roster and coaching, you know, scheme, you know, that probably means it was a really bad season from Jared Goff, but they're already 2-0, so they, they're not going to be in that position. I mean, then the 49ers, really interesting conversation with, with the 49ers. You know, what if they're already at the point where they say, let's ship it in for this season? I mean, you talk about the injuries, Jimmy Garoppolo, two of your running backs, Debo Samuel is still on IR. You lose Nick Bosa and Solomon Thompson to both torn ACLs. You lost to Forrest Buckner in free agency. Your secondary is hurt. Richard Sherman is a little banged up. Your division is the toughest in football. You know, if you know Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, their jobs are both safe. If they say, we could actually legitimately build an unreal juggernaut here in San Francisco if we shipped it in for one season... We already have the excuses. We have the excuses now to give up on this season. Um, let's ship it in. Let's get Trevor Lawrence and be the best team in football the following season. You know, that team with Trevor Lawrence would be unstoppable. It would be unreal. It, it, it's unfair. 
It'd be what we saw from the the Falcons in Matt Ryan's MVP season, but better. It really would. Good offensive line, great defense, playmakers. Cal Shanahan, no matter who is the running back, is going to get production out of them. And then Trevor Lawrence. Um, try and think, you know. The Raiders are off to a 2-0 start, but if that fell apart and they got there, I think that'd be a pretty easy take. Um, Patriots, I don't think, are in a position where they're going to be picking that low, but obviously they would they would make the move. I love Cam Newton. He's going to probably make some money this offseason if he hits free agency. Um, I really don't expect New England, though, to be picking that low. I expect them to be a playoff team, a fringe playoff team, and definitely signing Cam Newton to an extension after this season as long as things continue to go well. Um, and then, you know, the, the Washington football team, some of these teams you really need to see a strong year two from your quarterback. Um, I'm just going to say there is a, a team who I expect will be picking toward the top, um, and they do have a quarterback in, in their second season. I think they would move on from that quarterback for Trevor Lawrence. It's a tough conversation. We're going to talk that, about that in, in best fits um, in just a second here. But a team like Washington, you know, it'd have to, you'd have to feel pretty confident saying, okay, it's been two years. We tried giving Dwayne Haskins a chance. He's not the option. Let's go get a guy that, you know, day one is going to be an above-average quarterback in football. That's, that's my belief. I think he walks in and is just one of the better quarterbacks in football from the get-go of his career. So I know this hasn't had a, a ton of, you know, consistency on the flow. I'm kind of all over the place. I've, I've just wanted to – I've been running through the list of teams, as I said, just – Going over the fits, I want to transition to the top five fits for me based on teams that I believe will be picking in the top five in terms of just fit, how it'll all work out. Um, and so, so let's do that and we'll finish up this episode. So we'll go from five to one. Number five to me um, of teams that I think will be close to the top pick may have a chance of getting the top pick in this draft um, in terms of just best fits for Trevor Lawrence in that scenario. Number five to me is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, they're a team I'm on the fringe of that I don't necessarily believe are going to be at the point where they can pick number one. That kind of plays a role into them being number five, too. I think out of these five teams, they might be the least likely to be picking number one. Uh, simply just because this Jaguars offense they got right now is just going to win them too many games, I think, to really, um, you know, be one of the worst teams in football. You know, Gardner Minshew has looked good. He has. You know, we got to acknowledge that the dude can the dude can play. He looked really good through the first two weeks. Uh, first against Indy, it was like, okay, you know, we don't know much about the Indy defense, and then they went out and dominated the Vikings. Um, but then against the Titans, really good defense. He still looked great. Had some precision throws. Was clutch. You know, at the end, he was coming back and forth. Yeah, they didn't get the win, but, um, you know, the Titans are a very good football team, so... Jacksonville, I just think, is going gonna, is gonna to be one of those teams that just has too many wins to be down there. But I have them at five specifically because uh, franchise instability, I guess dysfunction, if anything, you know, aside from that 2017 season where they made the AFC Championship game, um, it's been historically bad there. And if I had to put faith in a franchise, if I was, you know, going 1-32 to 32 in, in terms of, you know, franchise stability, Jacksonville is going to be at the bottom of that list just because, you know, even teams that we'll talk about later that um, are dysfunctional, you know, a few of these teams are. That's the reason why they're picking so low. They at least have 
parts of their history where they were successful. You know, Jacksonville has just been, you know, consistently a, a bottom feeder in the league. I don't know if it would be the best supporting cast around him. Um, Jay Gruden would be a really fun offensive coordinator to work with. Um, DJ Chark is a talented receiver. They've got, you know, fun weapons, but I just don't think it would be a, a great fit for him. Um, and it would just be a bummer, you know, him being in Jacksonville. I kind of want to see him on a team that has some pop to it, um, has some excitement. I'm not really excited about the Jaguars with Trevor Lawrence. I think that that's a situation where you look like teams that could actually, you know, be detrimental to Lawrence's career. Jacksonville is one of those spots. So I got him at number five. I got Jacksonville at number five there. Uh, number four, we're going to go with the New York Giants. Um, they're, they're the tough one that I say, okay, if they have the number one pick and Daniel Jones has a really bad season, you know, it's tough because how much do you want to blame Daniel Jones? How much do you want to blame the situation that he's been given? You know, the way that this roster is constructed, they have one of the worst defenses, one of the worst offensive lines. Um, Saquon Barkley is hurt. Receivers are hurt. And so it's like... It's like, are you really ready to give up on Daniel Jones after two seasons? I think being the New York Giants, I think you take Trevor Lawrence and just say like, this is, Daniel Jones is one of those clunky guys where he reminds you of Eli Manning. You say, oh, he's this goofy guy that could be good in some stretches, but really needs a great defense and, and good supporting cast to, to be good. Um, Trevor Lawrence is one of those guys that you can say is like the face of the organization is going to be loved by New York because he's going to do well. He's going to handle the pressure of living in, of of thriving in New York City. Um, he's going to handle that pressure well. The reason I have the Giants at four and they're not higher to that list is just because I don't think they're necessarily ready to give up on this current regime they have. You know, you bring in a new head coach, but management and ownership is still sketchy as hell. Um, I don't think that they know how to construct a roster properly, so. Um, I love, you know, the potential with, with, uh, oh my gosh, why can't I, why am I slipping on his name? Joe Judge. I love the potential of Joe Judge as a head coach, but if we're talking GM, um, I, I, I don't feel, I, I feel less confident with, you know, um, their kind of upper management ownership than I do just about the rest of the NFL. Um, fun fit electric putting him in new york city it is one of those historic franchises that you know it just would feel right to have you know a guy um you know in new york city just dominate we haven't had that in in quite some time um so the giants would be a fun fit it would um i'm just a little down on it because i think kind of like jacksonville the current management ownership situation with the giants just doesn't make me feel confident that um, they could build something around him that would you know elevate his career and make sure that he has all the tools to succeed. Uh, so Giants at number four. Number three, interesting one. Not sure if they can, if, if, I mean, the way they've looked in weeks one and two, they could very well be on their way to picking um, at the top of this draft. Um, it's the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, you know, if, if they're picking at the top of this draft and they're going to be close to it, they have a really bad roster right now. Um, they would easily pull the plug on Kirk Cousins for Trevor Lawrence. It would be the easiest decision. It would be so such an easy decision to make. Um, for the Vikings, 
They've looked really bad without Kevin Stefanski as the offensive coordinator. The loss of Diggs is massive. Um, and they lost a lot of key defensive players, too, that now has made their, their secondary very young and inexperienced. Uh, you know, they, they tried to shift around some bodies in the front seven, bringing in a guy like Yannick Ngakwe, but they haven't been able to get pressure on, on the quarterback through the first two weeks. Um, the reason that I have them above the teams like the Giants and the Jaguars is I think it's just more... Um, more around him to succeed if Trevor Lawrence was to go to Minnesota. You know, you have Adam Thielen, who is a top wide receiver. You don't have that in Jacksonville or with the Giants. You have Dalvin Cook at running back. Um, you have an offensive line there that is better than Jacksonville in New York. It's not great. Um, it's not perfect, but it's good. If you keep Mike Zimmer, he's the best head coach. He's a better head coach than, than Doug Marone or Joe Judge right now, so you feel more confident with the coaching. There just seems to be a little bit more stability in Minnesota. They've been more successful recently than those two organizations. Um, if Mike Zimmer can fix up that defense and say Justin Jefferson takes, you know, you know, you look by the end of this rookie season, you say, okay, he can be a really good number two to Adam Thielen. Kyle Rudolph is a, is a sturdy tight end to have there. I just think that, you know, that's one of those situations where Okay, it's a, it's a quick turnaround if Trevor Lawrence is in Minnesota. I think he could fix a lot of problems. I think he just have, you know, one bad season, fix up that, you know, uh, that defense, bring in a new quarterback, it's a new look, um, and I think you kind of just go from there and try and try and win, you know, win that division. Um, so I've got them at three. And honestly, you know, having them at three is tough because I, I, I'm looking at the rosters for one and two right now, and, and there's a huge difference, but I think also just – being in Minnesota, it kind of just doesn't feel, it's not exciting. It's kind of like being in Jacksonville, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just not fun. I would want him to be in this major market where there's a, a huge shine on him or there's, you know, a close connection. Um, and that's both one and two for me. So we'll talk about those now. Number two, I've got the New York Jets. I think they'll be the second best fit of teams that'll be close to picking at the top for Trevor Lawrence. And and now I got to, you know, pump the brakes because, yes, the Jets right now have one of the worst rosters we've seen in football. Um, maybe dating back to that 0-16 season for, for the Lions or the Browns, you know, I guess that was a little bit more recent. But, um, whew, this Jets team is bad, but the reason that I have them here. So Adam Gase is gone after this season. Adam Gase is out the door. Joe Douglas is a guy that I actually have faith in. He knows how to draft well. He is working kind of in a way that, you know, just from what I've been able to see firsthand with the Colts, it's, okay, we're going to gut this roster. We're going to draft guys. We're going to build through the draft, not trying, you know, bring in these huge flashy free agent signings because um, it doesn't, it, it just doesn't gel together when you try and do that, especially when the team is bad. You know, bringing in veteran pieces when you're a good team and have a good foundation is great. Trying to jumble things in, um, and, and kind of just make things work on the fly is not the way to build a franchise to me personally. And I think his, uh, you know, history proves me kind of right on that point. Uh, so with the Giants, you've got Joe Douglas, a GM that I really do um, appreciate. And I think he's trying to fix things up. Um, so no Adam Gase. So you can tie him to a new head coach. Um, and if you can give him a really good one, then things could go, go really well with that offensive system. Um, of the five teams that I'm talking about, they have the best left tackle already. Newsflash, if you haven't watched the Jets, I don't blame you, but Mackay Becton is a legit left tackle. 
already the best offensive lineman for the Jets and probably the best offensive lineman for the Jets that they've had in a few years now. So you get him a sturdy left tackle. Um, you still have to build weapons around him. It, obviously, it's not a lot of great. It's Jamison Crowder. You know, we'll see what Denzel Mims can do throughout the season um, if he can if he can get healthy. Um, it's a lot of injuries here. The the main points with the Jets why I love it is I think that that is a franchise that will absolutely fall in love with him. Um, it's a big city like New York City, and while I don't have faith in the coaching or the roster right now, the management of the team. The GM is why I'm more drawn to it than I would be with the Giants. So right now, yes, the Giants have the better offensive supporting cast in terms of just talent at receiver, tight end, running back than the Jets do. But I have more faith in Joe Douglas kind of building a team the right way than I believe that the Giants are going to be, you know, constructing that roster over the next few years. Because you know, you take a look at what the Giants have done. Yeah, they've got great receivers. They've got a top running back. The offensive line is still one of the most important things in football. Joe Douglas is showing, you know, the importance on that as well over in New York, and he's trying to build that offensive line. I just have more faith in in Joe Douglas building a team around Trevor Lawrence than I do believe that the Giants management can do. Um, and so I believe Joe Douglas will make the right hire. He, he didn't get to hire Adam Gase. He didn't get to draft Sam Darnold. He is starting over um, after this season. And I think he's going to do a really good job of building this roster. Putting him in the New York market, like I said, is going to be amazing. He's going to thrive in that environment. And, and yeah, I think, I think it'd be a great fit for the Jets. They're not my number one, though. Let's head on down to Carolina. Let's keep him right where he's at. I would love, absolutely love Trevor Lawrence on the Panthers. I think it is the best fit out of any team right now that is going to be picking towards the top of this NFL draft. Um, reasons being, uh, you know, look, the, the big thing is, well, didn't they just bring in Teddy Bridgewater? Teddy Bridgewater is not the long-term answer in Carolina. I think they just wanted to have a, a somewhat, you know, startable quarterback this year after, you know, after Cam got banged up, it was a lot of Kyle Allen. It was Will Greer at one point. It's like, we just want a quarterback that is a capable starter, and that's what Teddy Bridgewater is. I don't think he's the long-term option. Also a good guy to have around a young quarterback like Trevor Lawrence because he has been through the ups and downs of an NFL career, um, despite still being a young quarterback. So then what else do you give him? You give him a really fun offensive system with Matt Rule and Joe Brady. That is a great duo to give him. He's also coming right from the college world, just as those two were, so the offense is they're going to be on the same page. Offensively, you give him DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel, Christian McCaffrey. So many weapons. So many weapons. That offense from day one is going to be electric. Joe Brady designs a beautiful offensive scheme. Trevor Lawrence is a great quarterback. And the weapons there, out of these five options, to me, are the best. You know, you get CMC, DJ Moore, and they're young. You're building a young offensive nucleus that can be around each other for a while. Um, still have questions about the defense. Look, I love the Derrick Brown pick. It's a good start. Defense does still need some help, but you're keeping him in the Carolinas. He's right where he was for college. So that's a really cool thing, too, to, you know, kind of just, like, that's his legacy. The Carolinas already love Trevor Lawrence. That's Clemson territory. So it's not like, oh, I had to root against him in college because I was a, an Alabama fan, and now, and now he's the quarterback for my team. Now, if you're a Clemson team, you're gonna, if you're a Clemson guy, you're going to love him being on the Panthers. 
So to me, story-wise, the only other story that I that I am compelled to say I would love to watch is him in New York City. Keeping him in the Carolinas would be awesome. Uh, getting him partnered up with Joe Brady and Matt Rule I think would be awesome. Um, the Panthers just seem to be an organization that just they're they're going to go about this the right way in rebuilding their franchise. Um, and I think that Trevor Lawrence would just be, I think it'd be a great fit. So top five fits for Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Panthers, number one, love everything about it. Two, I have the faith in Joe Douglas. So the New York Jets, get him in New York City, get him with a good GM, a new head coach, strong left tackle, build around him. Number three, the Minnesota Vikings, stability. You're, you're providing him a, a stable environment coming in. Um, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, a good defensive scheme, just needs more talent. So I got them at three. Number four, the Giants, simply because you're putting him in New York City with fun receivers and weapons around him, um, like the head coach, don't like the management, don't think they could necessarily, I don't think that they'll go about building a roster around Trevor Lawrence the right way. Um, and then five, Jacksonville Jaguars, don't think they end up picking at number one, just because I think, you know, um, I think their offense will win them uh, too many games this year. Um, they'll probably be a five and 11 type team. Um, but look, it's a, it's a fun offensive system in Jay Gruden, um, DJ Chark, Keelan Cole, D.D. Westbrook. There's fun pieces around. It's, it's not really that enticing. Um, plus you got to just watch him in Jacksonville, but of the teams that I think are be picking towards the top five, um, they're, they're a team that, you know, you got to consider in there. So top five fits for Trevor Lawrence. I have once again, gone 20 minutes over what I was expecting to do. Um, I really wanted to keep it at 30, but. You know, that'll, that'll wrap things up for today. Um, we'll be back Friday doing picks against the spread week three uh, for the NFL season with Teddy Pristash. Excited to have him back on. I know he, he wanted to, he said he was leaving it as a teaser last Friday when he was like, I don't know if I'll be back, but he's coming back. We're have some fun again. Hopefully make some money this weekend and then head into our weekend, watch some football and do the whole damn thing again next week. Um, so Hope you guys like the conversation around Trevor Lawrence. Let me know what you think about him. If I'm if I'm hyping him up too much, I really do think that he's the next. You know, um, to me, he's the best prospect since Andrew Luck. You know, when Andrew came in, he was he was really good from day one. I think that's what you get out of Trevor. Maybe even better. Um, so, uh, let me know what you think about the talks around him. Let me know if there are any fits that you think I just completely whiffed on. If there's some teams I left out. Yeah, I appreciate you guys listening. Please uh, please leave a five-star review. Leave uh, comments on the pod. Tell me what you like. Tell me what needs you know some fixing. I really appreciate your support while we keep this thing rolling. Um, and, uh, yeah. Have a great rest of your day. And we'll be back on Friday. Talk to you soon. Peace.